The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to your mailbag for July 4th. We are recording on Friday, July 1st. If you're on YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football Today, you can watch it before it airs in the podcast feeds. I am Adam Azer. Happy 4th of July, everybody. For those of you who are not watching before the show uh, publishes officially, hope you're having an awesome three-day weekend and a great, great holiday. Joined by Jamie Eisenberg, Heath Cummings, and our new Dave, Dave Costello, who we're going to tell you about in just a second. Heath, what are you grilling 4th of July? Uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, I'm very happy to report that the uh, Deerfield Beach 4th of July bash is back on. It's been off for a couple of years for obvious reasons. And so we will go over to the beach about noon and sit there for 10 hours, probably throw the Frisbee a little, go to Brew's Room, have have a meal, um, may have a couple of drinks. Maybe. And then uh, watch fireworks over the ocean. Jamie, one Fourth of July staple. You had to have one thing. Hot dogs. Yeah, it's got to be hot dogs, right? I mean, you could say burger, but it's got to be hot dogs. I thought the answer was going to be fireworks. <laughs> and watching Joey Chestnut, of course. And watching Joey Chestnut. Now, that is your new Dave, at least for today. Dave Costello uh, helped us out in a big way. Probably make better uh, dynasty trades. <laughs> I actually, you know what? I actually like the dynasty trade that Dave Richard made. Go ahead. Reveal the one where he got the first round pick. Well, he said because he traded with Heath. Okay, Heath. Um, well, yes, I would say Dave, I, the second trade Dave made, made whether the first trade was a good trade or bad trade, not really matter because now we both won. Um, but you reco- recovered well from the bad trade. Dave traded me pick number four for pick number Rookie 11, 15, and 22. Rookie only draft, 11, 15, and 22 for pick four. And those four. picks turned into Christian Watson, Zamir White, and Ty Davis-Price for Garrett Wilson. Okay. Um, but Dave didn't pick Christian Watson. He traded the Christian Watson pick for a 2023 first. Oh. Uh, well, I guess I don't like it then. Maybe I do. Obviously, it depends where that, that one lands, but Drake, so you, he gave up... Drake London was it? Who's that? Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson for Jameson Williams, who he's high on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. But the other trade that he made, which I think was worse, was he traded Tyler Boyd for um, 
I think, just the third round pick in this year's rookie draft. But that's IDP too, right? In the yeah, draft, but still, okay. this draft is terrible. Oh I, man, this this. Um, and then you this, try to defend it by saying this class is deep, which is just ridiculous. The the, uh, the IDP discussion. I like we won't do it today because we've got other things to do. But do. I would like to go on like a ten minute rant about valuing defensive fantasy points. <laughs> okay. And, uh, All right. Well, our, people don't do it enough. Our uh, yeah, I think people don't do it enough. Our email address is fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We will have a lot of your emails, including uh, our favorite player to take at their ADP this year, who we, we refuse to leave our draft without, uh, how to project a team like the Broncos where they have a new head coach, a coordinator, a new quarterback, um, how to draft in larger leagues, salary cap drafts, things like that. But I want to introduce Dave Costello. He's a listener of the show who wanted to help me out with a project. Started fantasy points. What percentage of a player's total fantasy points in the regular season, weeks one through 14, not fantasy playoffs, um, were on the bench and were what percentage were in your starting lineup? And can we learn anything from this? Uh, I didn't really have time to do it, so Dave took the reins and did the whole thing. And I'm very appreciative of that, Dave. So welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. Well, Thank you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate being on. And, um, you know, I love listening to you guys, especially around this time of year. I usually head down the down Cape Cod and uh, I got my fantasy football magazine, CBS, of (laughs) course, and uh, getting Sandy by the beach. And and uh, so thanks for having me on. It's a big thrill. Happy to be here. And this was a fun project to work on. Did you find Uh, it useful? I did find it useful. So basically, you know, what this will tell you, starting fantasy points, um, actual starting fantasy points. So it'll give you guys um, that you can get a little bit uh, lower down um, for some good value. You know, it's a metric that Adam and I worked on, you know, and what players were underutilized or not started as much that actually put up some pretty good points. You know, so for example, Patrick Mahomes, he's putting up 41 points and you know, across the board, CBS, you know, 99% is starting Patrick Ramones. So he's getting 41 points. But what about the guy, like, I'm going to give it away a little bit, but Kirk Cousins, quarterback, uh, who's putting up 40 points, but you only have 50% of owners starting Kirk Cousins. So his actual starting points would be 20. Uh, so we took, I took a look at that data point. I kind of averaged it across the 14 fantasy football weeks, um, as Adam said. And so I highlighted a guy at each position that you can get later if you're waiting on that position that actually delivered under underutilized fantasy points in 2021. And they're also entering into an even better offensive situation in 2022. And Cousins so, was your quarterback. So, yeah, Kirk Cousins for quarterback, basically 39 percent of his points were used um in 2021 137 points out of his total 352 points in the 14 weeks and you compare that to be honest to Mahomes um you know Mahomes during those 14 weeks was 362 uh points so uh it goes to show you that you, you can find some value with Cousins you know he's he's a good quarterback that you can get late and you know, he was the QB nine last year and he's entering into a situation. He's got a, you know, a new coach in, in Kevin o- O'Connell coming over from the Rams uh, as the offensive coordinator there who really turned Stafford around. 
and he's looking for that same success with Cousins. And I actually came across a stat that was that was really interesting uh, that compared Stafford and Cousins in their first 120 starts. And Cousins actually has Stafford beat out. Uh, they both have around 33,000 passing yards. Uh, Cousins had a 67 completion percentage compared to 61.6 percentage for Stafford. Uh, Cousins had 219 passing TDs compared to 208 for Stafford. Only 87 interceptions for Cousins, 114 for Stafford, and a total passer rating of 99 versus 87. So I think things are, are trending upward for Cousins. Again, you're not, you're not going to draft him early, but if you're waiting at the quarterback position, you know, you get Jefferson in his third year. I think he's more comfortable. I feel like they might pump the brakes a little bit with Dalvin Cook. You know, he didn't have the best end of the year. And uh, I think I think yeah. uh, Madison might get some some more carries. So, um, well, Dave, let me. So so the the thing is, you know, Cousins is the kind of guy that I would expect to be pretty low and started fantasy points based on years past because he's always drafted as maybe a high-end number two, or maybe you waited, waited a really long time, but you're sometimes looking for better options. But, Jamie, maybe this is the year where people just plug Kirk Cousins into their lineup. I know you like him a lot, and they don't worry about having another another guy. You know, like He's just a starter. End of story. I'm going to guess that does not happen early in the majority of leagues because especially what we're seeing with average draft position now, like, for example, Rodgers is going ahead of him. I think, you know, Cousins and Carr is going to be heavily debated because of, you know, the upgrades that Carr got and, and, and coach and um, talent around him. And then we still have to see where Trey Lance settles, you know, uh, especially if they move on from Garoppolo in San Francisco. He'll be in the starting conversation. So there's probably, you know, uh, three to five guys that are going to be in, in the Cousins range. Um, but I think once he or if he gets off to a good start, I hope he gets off to a good start because I, I, I agree that he is he has a chance to have a, a special season. Um, then I think he kind of settles into a, a weekly starter. You know, I don't think he'll ever be a 90 to hundred percent started guy because I just don't think that most people will still continue to view him that way. But uh, my guess is he'll be above 80% and that'll end up maybe being close to a career high in terms of his fantasy start percentage for the people that track those things. <laughs> well, I, you know, like, so I want to talk about maybe the running backs here. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'm trying to, scroll so you can see some of the data here so again we only used the first 14 weeks we didn't use the fantasy postseason so many teams are eliminated at that point that the star percentages don't really uh matter as much but what i noticed is the guys who were like pretty low um you know D uh, devin singletary that makes sense guys who come on strong late like amonra st brown very low and started fantasy points uh but damian harris um melvin gordon uh even james connor was kind of low if you're in a shared backfield, people might not know what to do with you, and they might leave you on the bench in a good week or start you in a bad week or maybe just get it right every time. But that is something that needs to be considered. But, David, who did you want to – or Dave, sorry. Who did you want to um, – Yeah, so actually you mentioned them. I got uh, James Conner. Uh, you know, he was used in 66% of the, of the league, and, uh, you know, that percentage obviously went up uh, through the 14 weeks, and and – his draft value is going to reflect that, obviously. Um, but again, he had 212 points compared to Eckler's 262 and Harris 233. So, you know, those are first round guys. And a Connor, you can get, um, I don't know, what would you guys say, third or fourth? Um, you know, and he's, mm -hmm. again, you talk about a situation where Chase Edmonds is off to Miami. You know, he's no longer there. I don't see Darrell Williams from coming over from the Chiefs being much of a threat. 
Um, he's coming off a new three-year extension for $20 million. And so the Cardinals, you know, have faith in him. And I also think another thing to point out is, is Hopkins being out for the six games to start off the season. Uh, they could lean a little bit more on the run. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to think about James Conner scored 18 fewer fantasy points than Leonard Fournette, but he had 60 fewer started fantasy points than Leonard Fournette. Uh, Fournette was started in 80, his, 87% of Fournette's fantasy points were started, only 66% of Connor's. Um, let's go to wide receiver here. And you tell me the guy who really stands out to you. I hope, I, I hope, um, I, have a, I'm, so, I have a hope of who it will be. All right, go ahead. Wide receiver, I have Mike Williams. Yes. Yes. Is that who you're thinking? Yes, and I have a point to make about Mike Williams, but uh, go so for it. 62%. 62, yeah. He came in at 62%. Only 124 of his 200 points were used. And again, you know, uh, you compare that to Tyree Kill, 256 points. Um, he's not far behind. Uh, he's coming off his best year, his best season. Uh, you know, 1,146 yards, nine touchdowns, 76 catches. And he's also coming off a freshly signed three-year, $60 million contract. So it shows you what the higher-ups are thinking uh, about the Herbert to Williams connection in the coming years. So, you know, I don't know what round you guys think uh, you can get him at, but I think he is a tremendous value a little bit later in the draft. Yeah, Heath, I, I think people lost some confidence in him late in the year. Um, and even early in the year after his hot start, Mike Williams here. And I guess the point I would make is if you're streaky, it is a difficult start-sit decision if you're a streaky player. Do you think that's going to be a problem for Mike Williams? Well, I, I mean, you know how I feel about this. Tyler Locke's been my favorite player for like five years. I love Brandon Cooks. I don't care. Um, I'm just starting those guys almost every week. But I think the other the thing maybe that's more of an indicator for Williams, and I don't know, I can't see what the week one, week two, like he I wasn't gotcha. drafted as a starter. Right, that also and he got yeah. off to a, an awesome start at the Whoops. beginning of the year. He had eighty for eighty-two and a touchdown week one, seventy-seven for ninety-one and a touchdown week two, um, seven yeah. for one hundred and twenty-two and two touchdowns week three. Like, and it might have been just about the point that he got up to a hundred percent start percentage. He gave us that eleven-yard game. Uh, yeah, he was fifty-three percent started that week. He was seventy-five percent started in week three, fifty-eight in week two, but only four percent started in week one. So that is part of it. Um, easy to say, just start him in a two receiver in a three receiver league with a flex. But in a two receiver league with a flex, I wonder, you know, if fantasy managers should. I don't want to say they should avoid streaky guys, but it does it does give you that headache. Or you it might your weeks. It might, but but it's got it's definitely going to be a discussion for people. Hey, am I starting this guy? Well, I mean, He's it, boomer it, bust. It, it always comes down to your roster construction. You know, if you have some high floor players around him, then you're in good shape. You know, if you're dealing with a lot of these guys, like you don't want to be starting Mike Williams and Tyler Lockett on the same team, or in this case, Mike Williams and Brandon Cooks on the same team. But, you know, if you have, I mean, that's the reason why, you know, Mike Williams and, and Brandon Cooks are more number two receivers because you want to pair them with the more consistent high upside type of guys. And so, um, Jamie, do you agree with this comment from Cowboys choke starting Mike Williams is like playing Russian roulette? Yes and no. I mean, I, I, I think as, as Dave alluded to, um, as new Dave alluded to, um, that, <laughs> you know, the, they, they paid him, they didn't upgrade the position. You know, they're counting on Jalen Guyton and Josh Palmer to hopefully take a step forward. Uh, you could say all you want to about Gerald Everett being an upgrade over Jared cook, how much of an upgrade, you know, we'll see, but 
I mean, I think they're pretty much clearly counting on, and you know, if you're counting on Justin Herbert, you expect this to be the case as well. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Austin Eckler to carry this passing game to the same level that it did last year, which resulted in Justin Herbert going for 5,000 yards. And I think he'll be an MVP candidate this season. So this is a team that, you know, clearly has some defined roles for defined guys. And, and Mike Williams should hopefully produce at a high level. You know, you brought up the, I think it was an email from earlier this week about uh, contract year guys. And, you know, and, and you mentioned Mike Williams specifically about someone to maybe be worried about, you know, after having the, the big year in a contract year. We'll see. It's certainly valid. He's had some injury uh, concerns. He's had a lot of boom bust play, but you know, last year felt like second year for Herbert. He finally put it all together, and I do think he's trending in the right direction. So he's he's a guy I would look at as early as round four. Let's take a look at tight ends now. And uh, what's your takeaway, Dave, from your tight end research? Yeah, so tight end. I mean, an obvious one is is Dalton Schultz. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, people weren't starting him. And obviously, as, as the season progressed, uh, he was started more. Um, you know, you guys, I, I see you have him ranked around, you know, the sixth tight end. Um, so he was around 45%. Uh, but my tight end here is, again, another Arizona Cardinal, uh, Zach Ertz. Um, he came in at 48%, 58 of his 121 points used. And... You know, again, you're getting somebody in the later rounds. Um, and with Hopkins being out, there's going to be more targets to go around um, for Murray. And and another guy, you know, at, at 31, you know, the Cardinals ownership thinks there's plenty left in the tank for him. And, you know, he's coming off a big three-year deal for $32 million. Uh, so so they see, you know, some, some things left for him. And uh, so, yeah, Zach Ertz. Heath, there's a lot to like about Zach Ertz. In 11 games with Arizona, on a per-game basis, he was only 10th in non-PPR, but he was 6th best in full PPR. Uh, he caught only three touchdowns in those ten ga- in those 11 games, but he got a ton of uh, you know red zone and green zone targets. From weeks 7 through 18, Ertz had the 10th most red zone targets and the 4th most goal-to-go targets in the NFL. However, his touchdown rate was very low, and DeAndre Hopkins barely played for that matter, but... Uh, do you think Zach Ertz is a set it and forget it kind of tight end? You put him in your life. You don't even draft a second tight end. You just have Zach Ertz. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if you want to draft a second one that has more upside, I wouldn't have any problem with that. But I'm probably just starting Zach Ertz on a week-to-week basis. I'm not thinking about streaming. The interesting thing will be, you said it, he played most of his time with Arizona last year without DeAndre Hopkins. Now he's going to play the first six weeks of this season without Hopkins, but Marquise Brown will be there. So I'll, I'll be curious to see the first six weeks. Can Ertz have even close to the same target share? And then what happens when Har- when Hopkins comes back? Because I wouldn't be surprised if Brown and Hopkins see half the targets between the two of them once they're both good to go. To be fair, though, Kirk was there, and now Kirk is gone. So yeah, while Brown should be an upgrade over Kirk, we'll see. And let's look at the other players on this tight end list compiled by Dave who had a pretty low started fantasy point percentage and, and finished you know, as a start-worthy guy. Uh Dalton Schultz and Ertz have been mentioned. Dawson Knox, Hunter Henry, Pat Fryermuth. I mean, what do they have in common? It, when you're just fishing for a touchdown, those guys are going to be frustrating, right? So <laughs> does that make sense? I mean, the touchdown or bust guys at the tight end position, you're going to be lucky if you had them in your lineup. There are going to be weeks where they score a touchdown and didn't have them in your lineup. I think there's there's four of those guys. You mentioned three. I'll put Robert Tunyon in the conversation too because coming back from the ACL tier, that's what he was. 
in 2020. And we know there's a path to targets for him now with, you know, the, the loss of Devontae Adams and Marcos Valdez-Scantling in Green Bay. So uh, if you are, you know, tight end is so funny because, uh, you know, I think we've noted this, you know, several times. There's six guys you should feel really comfortable with, with Schultz being the sixth, you know, the top five of Kelsey, Andrews, Pitts, Waller, and, and Kittle. The next three could easily be top five guys. You mentioned one in Ertz. You got Dallas Goddard. You got TJ Hawkinson. There's so much upside, but we've seen the downside for all three of them, and they all have their their red flags. But it's after that group, it's kind of just, I, I think, a dart throw in, in essence. It's like you said, you know, you're chasing the, the touchdown-only guys of, of those four. You're chasing guys that could be heavily targeted. One, you know, that's kind of disgusting, but Evan Ingram, for example. Um, maybe Irv Smith, you know, sees a bump of targets. I guess Irv Smith's probably more of a touchdown-only guy. Um, but Cole Komet, you know, certainly is going to see an uptick in targets and has, you know, huge potential. Noah Fant, you know, you can see a path to a lot of targets there for him. Uh, maybe Albert O in Denver too, you know, so there, there's, there's so many guys, Gusecki, David Njoku, you know, so many guys that you can look at and say, um, you know, wait, greater late, uh, you know, on who's going to be the, the best of that group. But um, it's, it's just, it's fascinating. It's a really fascinating position. All right, Dave, thank you very much. So um, before Absolutely. you go, you know, tell us about yourself. Patriots man. Well, yeah, I'm a Patriots fan. Uh, as you can see from the, the chair behind me. So, um, you know, from, from the Boston area and, uh, I have a wife and two kids. Um, I got, uh, Claire who's seven and Kevin who's four and I'm going to be pushing Kevin in the 4th of July race coming up on Monday. So looking forward to that. And, uh, he's the one that I've collected all these small helmets with, uh, behind me. Uh, it's been kind of, kind of a fun thing to do with him. So, uh, he loves football and, uh, and I, I enjoy watching it with him. That's great. Do you do your fantasy draft live with friends? Uh, we don't do it live. Um, yeah, we'll usually do it towards the last week of August. And uh, I'm always the one that starts my research pretty early. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope it helps, man. Well, thank you very much for hopping on and for doing hey, all this research. Thank you guys very much thank for you. having me on. It was a thrill. I enjoy your show and uh, happy 4th of July. All right, we're going to take a break here on Fantasy Football today. We're going to come back with your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, special thanks to Dave Costello for joining us. New Dave. The new Dave for joining us. And uh, we're going to just finish up with your emails. Here we go. No, we got to talk about our dynasty draft. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Go ahead. Heath, how do you feel? So we, we, we've been waiting out your, your picks on what you're going to do with your first uh, two picks because you tanked. Are you happy with how it's worked out? Yeah, for the most part, I am. Um, there have been a couple of hiccups in the, uh, the second and third round, but uh, I started off with Brees Hall at uh, 101, and then I took Drake London at 102. And then I had a bunch of second round picks as well. And I traded my late first pick 11 and pick 15 and pick 22 to move up to number four and get Garrett Wilson. Those are my top three players in this class. So you hope two of them turn into stars. It's a pretty good start. Um, Adam, uh, it's a 14 team league. So that's why you say second round. So 15, 11 was, was still in the first round, obviously, but 15 yeah. and 22 in the second round. Adam, can you guess the first 10 picks. And if you get it right in order, I'll give you a spot in the podcast. <laughs> First 10 picks of your dynasty. You know, you know, three of the four. I don't know if I know the order though. Uh, Bre- just told you three of the four. I just yeah, told I you. I wasn't paying attention. One, I was, two and the four pick. I was writing a thank you email to Dave uh, Costello. What were they again? Did you, welcome, did you welcome him to the club? <laughs> what club? The club of people who do things. Cause you say you're too busy. <laughs> <laughs> who else is in that club? Well, one of them just left. Uh, let's see. Um, Brees Hall. Yep. Yeah. I'm not going to get him in order. So yeah. let's just do it. Brees Hall, Ken Walker, Drake London, Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, um, Christian Watson. Who, not in the top 10. Very oh, top it. 10. Oh, right. He went to Dave with what? The 12th pick? What was it? 11. 11th pick. Uh, 11. That's the one Dave traded. Not to Dave. Dave traded that pick for a first round pick, well, which but was he, a fantastic trade. Um, Although Rob's team could be much better. I, oh, I think, I don't, yeah. I mean, if Rob, if Rob sets his lineup every week, he's a playoff team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. Mark. I'm not doing this anymore. I finish up. I want to read the emails. Um, could uh, we, first we, round went Brees yeah. Hall, Drake London, Ken Walker, <laughs> Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks. Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, Sky Moore, James Cook was the top 10. I'm still taking Christian Watson over Jahan Dotson. It's a fun rhyme ish. Yeah. It's, um, do you, it, it's interesting to compare Christian Watson and Amari Rogers, I think. It is? Yeah. Because like, I don't know pedigree wise that Watson's that much better than oh, Amari Rogers. Yes, and Amari Rogers, we were getting kind of excited about because he could be Aaron Rodgers number two last year. Parrot. Okay, pedigree is a tough thing to say when a guy played at FBS, FCS, but I mean, Amari Rogers is a slot receiver. He's just, that's why I really liked him last year for the Packers. I just thought it made sense. He's just like a short area slot receiver. He was really dependable in college. Um, Christian Watson is a different athlete. He's gazelle. He's fast. He's big. He's got, he's an outside receiver. He's got major upside. He might stink 
might have major downside. But obviously, Amari Rodgers does too. He was a non-factor last year. He couldn't beat out Randall Cobb. So there's no question. There's no comparison to me. It's 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 interesting. I don't know what the ADP is, Heath, if you know it, of uh, rookie-only drafts of Dodson, Sky Moore, and, and Christian Watson. And who goes first? I still think Watson probably goes first, but Moore is probably there and Dotson. I would guess is third, but the last I looked, and I can find that really, really quickly. Um, the last I looked, Sky Moore was ahead of both Watson and Dotson, okay. but Dotson's gotten quite a bit of uh steam here lately. So I'm looking at fantasy pros, uh Brees Hall, Ken Walker, Chris Olave's third. This can't be right. No. It should yeah. Um, it does show Chris Olave third and Christian Watson fourth. So I don't, I'll try to find a different source. We're not going to use uh, fantasy football calculator 2022 ADP has Watson going ninth behind Sky Moore, ahead of James Cook, and two picks ahead of Dotson. Adam, what do you think of these running backs and the order that they went in? Uh, Rashad White, um, Rashad White, Zamir White. Tyler Algier, Damian Pierce. That was the order. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good. If you're not playing for this year, I think that's a good order. I, especially with Damian Pierce, I think he is really one-dimensional. He and Algier ran four six forties. That's alarming. Um. Yeah, I, I would go that order if you're not playing for this year. I, obviously, I think Pierce and Algier have a faster path to relevance. But I think the other guys have a year wait and then probably have a chance to, you know, be good, especially Zamir White in 2023. Yeah, I, oh, see, I was going to say the exact opposite. Okay. I was going to say maybe especially Rashad White because, but I, man, I don't know what to make of Zamir White at all. What, what is, oh, somebody else want to join the show, Heath? Yes. <laughs> tried to add somebody else, but trying to get a Zamir White sound drop, but. He had two torn ACLs in college. I thought one was in high school. Okay, we'll double check on that. Two pre NFLs, it's still not great. But but mostly, I think like of that group, I think the odds of any of the four having like a three or four year run as a starter are really low. So I'd rather just draft the two guys who might get a chance to be starters this year and and increase their value. Yeah, that's fair. He tore his ACL in 2017 and 2018, right? ACL in 2017, that must have been high school. Left ACL in 2018. He's he's pretty far removed from those. Yeah. Um, Rashad White. Both these guys are. I don't know if I have a typo here, or if they're both checked in at six foot, 214 pounds. It's possible. I just Rashad White's a big boy. Um, yeah, he's. he's I I don't know. I mean, you probably. They're all day three picks, right? Or no? Yeah. I, the thing that I think he said is is interesting because like, I could certainly see Tyler Algier getting replaced next year for an upgrade. I could see uh, Rashad White either never getting a chance or being stuck on what could be a rebuild in Tampa Bay once Tom Brady retires. Um, the thing that I find interesting with, with Pierce, though, uh, and even Algier, is that if they do probably have their best bet to, to produce for you, it's probably this year. Mm-hmm. And so, like, like he said, you know, so do you take that opportunity? Zamir White's very fascinating because he could be, you know, from what the Raiders are saying, could be their guy, but it's probably going to be a shared backfield. I thought just, just real quick, Adam, before we wrap it up, 
a couple of surprise picks uh, that I thought ended up being really good value. Um, Isaiah Spiller going 21st overall because I think he should be in this conversation. He went a few picks behind them. Um, I was thrilled to get David Bell at 26. Yep. I could not believe that. Well, um, Adam's buddy took a giant before you, right? Opened the door. Dan, Dan, Dan took a cool, took a couple of guys. I thought too soon. He took Taekwon Thornton uh, at fourteen, which wow. to me he's a third round guy. And then he took Wandale Robinson. Wandale's a, a, a second round pick, but I would have definitely taken David Bell. Um, like I, I, I don't think in, you're going to be starting either of them this year, huh? I don't think you're going to be starting David Bell or Wandale Robinson this year, unless. We're recording this on Friday. Remember, maybe there's going to be the Sean Watson news over the weekend. But oh, I didn't. Dun- I, I mean, Dun- my, look good my team is, is not in need of David Bell, but I have him as a board in a 14 team league. He's a first round pick. Wow. Okay. Well, this is not a great year, <laughs> right? No, I don't know if he's a top. Year. I don't know if he's a top 14 guy at a normal year, but it's probably hard to find 14 guys you love. Um, okay. By the way, Rashad White now with the Bucks uh, out of Arizona State. 43 catches as a senior last year. Let's read some emails from Bradley. Who is your favorite player at their ADP who you refuse to leave your draft without and that you expect to dominate this year? At their ADP? Yeah, it doesn't really matter, I guess. I mean, dominate is a strong word because we're going to say guys drafting late. Who'd you say, Heath? I'll say Brandon Cooks. Um, I draft a lot of Naheem Hines. I don't think he's going to dominate, but I like the value. I'm all about that Broncos Broncos passing game. You got to pick one. Sutton. Sutton. Even though Judy's going to go so much later and Patrick after that? So I, I don't really... Well, I'm not in, not into Patrick, really. Um, I don't really know what to make of the ADP because... I don't know why you're not so much higher on Patrick. I don't see him being a consistent contributor. I see him being a bi-week replacement. But he could be a league winner if one of those guys get hurt. All right, I can't play the whole if one of those guys gets hurt game. I mean, no, but if you're you going to draft so many guys, if you're going to draft one of these guys in every draft and Tim Patrick's going to be there in round 10, then you should do like, this is your strategy. You no, I'd rather take strategy. I'd rather this is take your strategy. Sutton's going Sutton and Judy are going in round six. I would rather take Sutton. Uh, well, I don't I don't really know what to expect. They're not going to go in round six. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like, I keep taking Sutton in round four. But ADP says round six. But I take him early round four when I have a late round five pick and don't think he's going to be there. But I don't I don't know. If I can Judy trust ADP. Probably, then, unless if things don't turn around from him quickly in the start of training camp, he'll still be in round six. That would be great. I would be in that into that all the time. And Dalton Schultz right behind him too. Uh, all right. Uh, I would say Alan Lazard for me also to answer this question. This is a question, I guess, Heath, you can start from Jake. In a situation like the Broncos, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, how do you do projections? Passed from the head coach, passed from the coordinator, the quarterback, combination. How do you do projections? Yeah, I mean, it's just a complete and total guess, and it frustrates the heck out of me, and I hate it. And I end up just moving the guys more to uh, probably using my projections less for that team. Um, but it's a, it's a mixture for me of Hackett and Wilson. And um, like one of the toughest places, I think, is with running back targets on this team because they've got a bunch of wide receivers. We just talked about them, but and a quarterback who hasn't thrown to his running backs that much, but they've got a, an offensive coordinator whose team has thrown to running backs a ton and been running back centric, in fact. 
Um, so it, it's a, it's a very tough thing to do. Uh, from Dustin from the land of ice and snow. I don't know. Is that, uh, what's Jon Snow's place? His little kingdom? Winterfell? We'll just say Winterfell. Uh, dear Percy, Cordaro, Stefan, and Justin. Oh, he's probably from Minnesota. Uh, I just started a new job, and apparently there is a large PPR league, 14 or greater, 14 teams or greater. I've never played in a league larger than 10 teams before and obviously don't know how people will draft in this league. Can you give me any and all advice you could think of in this deep league so I can mop the floor with my coworkers? Deep league Have advice? 14? 14 or more. It's a little greater than 14. I would say exciting? lean toward pass catchers. Take too early. And throw a lot of capital at running backs in the middle rounds. Yeah, in that format, I'm probably going to end up punting until the double-digit rounds on either quarterback or tight end, and maybe both. Yeah, definitely take advantage of the quarterback depth. All right, this is from Rob. I had a question about who I should take at certain rounds of the draft. So this is fun. He listed three players at each spot, basically, and you have to pick your favorite. Half PPR. Adams, Diggs, Kelsey. And half PPR? Yeah. Kelsey. Um, yeah. Uh, Tyree Kill, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins. Brown. Brown. Cam Akers, Ezekiel Elliott, Brees Hall. Uh, Akers. I think right now I have it, Zeke. Gabe Davis, Adam Thielen, Juju Smith-Schuster. Davis. Uh, Thielen. I want to address someone in the chat here. His name is Don Saxby. And he rips me all the time because he says I talk about Devontae Smith a lot. I don't even think that's true, by the way. No. So he just called me a bleep sack in the (laughs) chat. And he said, how's Devontae Smith? So, Don, if you're listening right now, I'd like to know, (laughs) are you joking around with me? (laughs) Do you not like me? I'd like to know your intentions here, Don. I'd rather, I'm I'm more interested in what his problem is with Devontae Smith. He thinks I bring him up. Do you guys think I bring up Devontae Smith all the time? Well, I mean, you just did. (laughs) You found a way to. (laughs) I was really just trying to bring up a bleep sack. Um I think you should ask Don to do a whole project on why he thinks you're a bleep deck and come up with a spreadsheet and then maybe have him on. We could discuss it. <laughs> but I don't think, I really don't think I do. I, I, I mean, maybe there was a while where I was I'm obsessed curious. with Devontae Smith, but not anymore. It's, it's Which all Sutton. word now. goes before sec? Is it a word that you would say if yeah. not part of this context without trouble? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's just, I couldn't say them both together, you know? Okay. Is it a word we say a lot on the podcast, not in reference to this? No, it's the other one. Okay. Yeah, pistachio, <laughs> macadamia, <laughs> Harlan Pepper, quit naming nuts. Um, oh, okay. Jake says, make a haiku. No, nuts this year? Make a haiku of why Adam is not a bleep sack. I could, that, anybody wants to, okay. If you're in the YouTube chat, make a haiku about why I suck and I will read it. Go for it. 
Excellent. This oh. is <laughs> so glad I'm here. Wow, you made it about you. Yes, there you go. Wow, you made it about you. Is that six or seven syllables? That could definitely be the middle there. Look at Adam. Made show about him, as always. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> this is from Conrad in a city that can be sleepless. You think it's New York or Seattle? Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, or Philly, home of Devontae Smith. <laughs> Ten-team, two-QB league, where we start four wide receivers and two running backs and a tight end and a flex. All right. Two QBs, four wide receivers, two running backs, tight end, flex, and it's 10 teams. How would you value the quarterback in this league? Early. I would like an elite quarterback. Okay. Uh, from Ryan in Vir- Vir- Virginia Beach. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. Virginia Beach. Virginia starts with a V, right? It does. Who has a V in their name? Vivante Smith, of course. (laughs) That was close. What'd you say? (laughs) Subject, am I a contender? 10-team, half PPR, three receivers, three flex. All right, am I a contender or should I be rebuilding? He It's a 1QB league, by the way. He has Russell Wilson and Jalen Hurts. That's good. He has Barkley, ETN, Dylan, Clyde, Pollard, and Edmonds. He has McLaurin, DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Michael Pittman, Chase Claypool, TJ Hawkinson at tight end, and he has pick 102, which he's probably going to use on Drake London. Remember, it's 10 teams and it's half PPR. You're a contender. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the kind of team for sure that even if you're not sure, it's close enough to where you get to midseason and find out before you start doing anything with it. And I the nice thing is it's okay to have a year in the middle if you're young um, and you're moving towards the top. The, the middle years are really a problem when you're old. Um, if you get to the middle of the season and you don't think you're a contender, then trade Barkley and trade Mike Williams and keep the rest of the squad together. Or you could package you know, two players for hopefully one young, up-and-coming superstar. Is this a haiku? Adam sucks. <laughs> <laughs> We're missing some syllables. <laughs> All right, this is from uh, Team Fightin' Philly from Newport Beach, California. Can you please spend more time on Devontae's... Uh, sorry. Can you please spend more time on salary cap leagues? I love the snake draft shows. It would be awesome if you can help with salary cap strategies. Maybe at least touch on it once in a while. All right, Heath, you go first. Give me some salary cap advice. We should do a salary cap show. Like, just a whole show we where we, we get ready for it. And, um... It, yeah, I would like, I think one good way to think about it is, do I have a first round player? Do I have a second round player? Do I have a third round player? And in shallower leagues, um, especially in leagues where there's three or four guys in your league who aren't really going to pay very much attention, um, I would really like to get two first rounders and not worry about depth as much. Do you agree with this? One of the tr- uh, struggles I have with, salary cap episodes is much more so than in a snake draft. Salary cap drafts are just so different from draft to draft. You know, they just, that's why it's hard to do the content because obviously you can get some random wacky picks in a snake draft, but in a salary cap draft, it's just all bets are off and it's hard to really give concrete advice. Things are just so different. I think you have to know who you are as a fantasy player. Like he, 
you know, touched on this a little bit. If you know you're going to be aggressive playing the, the waiver wire, then you could take some more chances on some high-end guys. If you know the rest of your league is going to be in the same situation, then you probably want to have a little bit more balance to your team so that you have some good guys on your bench to fill in because the waiver wire might be a little bit more barren as the season unfolds. You know, So you have to kind of know your league. I think that's the biggest thing. If you're joining a league for the first time, then it just comes down to how aggressive do you want to be. Like I'm typically the, the, the manager that doesn't have first-round picks because I like to have multiple seconds, multiple thirds, and multiple fourths. And so I balance my budget a little bit more that way. And then I go about building my team a different way. So I don't have the, the high-end superstar, but I have a very balanced approach with some guys that have some league-winning ability. That's typically the way I like to do a salary cap you know, you know, uh, roster. So it's, it's more theory, I think, Adam, you know, is, is how you, you know, go about the content. And you just use a, a salary cap draft. I, I, I think you know, we've done a better job the last couple of years of doing two of them as opposed to just doing one uh, for content purposes you know, on the site. So mm-hmm. we usually do one early in camp and then one toward the end of camp. And then as far as nominating strategy, I like Jamie's strategy of nominating your kicker and your defense and getting the ones you want or making somebody pay up for those. And then also, I really like to nominate the expensive guys that I don't want. Yes. Corey, yeah, absolutely. It's very frustrating, mm-hmm. though, when everybody now knows that I do that and they all do the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, from Terrence in Ireland, when you get a chance, could you explain the ranking so low of Matt Ryan? I mean, Mills, Goff, even Trubisky ahead of Matt Ryan? I really don't get it, especially with the team and division he is in now, even though he's not a runner. Still, am I completely missing something on Matt Ryan? Well, I think, you know, the thing for me with Ryan is how much of last year was the offense and the situation and how much of that was just him kind of hitting a wall at this point in his career. You mentioned he doesn't run. This isn't a receiving core that's very dynamic. It's Michael Pittman and a bunch of ifs and hopes. I like Alec Pierce. I'm hopeful for Paris Campbell. We'll see what they do at tight end. You know, Molly Cox was like the, the starter going into the season. But their best player is Jonathan Taylor. Their second best player is, is Pittman, but you can make a case that Naeem Hines is third. And so, you know, the, the strength of this team is in their backfield. And so I, I don't know how many touchdowns Ryan's going to throw. I don't think he's going to approach 4,500 yards. I don't know if he's even going to approach a, a 4,000 yards. Either, you know, so if I had a ballpark, I'd probably say 41, 4,200 passing yards, maybe 25, 30 touchdowns. Um, it just doesn't seem like an overwhelming stat season for a guy that's going to win games. And I think they're the best team in that division. But I just don't know if he's going to be the reason why from a statistical standpoint that they do. This one comes from Chris from the 416. Hmm, where do you think that is? 416 um, area code. Illinois. Devontae Smith played oh, that. Oh, come man, on, man. So. It's It looks like Kansas. Uh, no, it doesn't. Never mind. Well, Devontae Smith played Alabama, so maybe it's uh, in the South. <laughs> okay, here we go. The question. Wait, where was it? I, I don't know why I can't find this. <laughs> okay. We got to spend some more time you, on you this. You would think. Uh, Toronto. Area code. What area code is 416? It's Toronto. Okay. Toron- so you can't find it. <laughs> Toronto. Toronto. I think you're not supposed to say the T. Okay, from uh, from Chris. Arano? Yeah, Arano. <laughs> hey, Eddie, Dave, and Alex. Huh. Three people I assigned work to. <laughs> Eddie Vetter, Dave Grohl, and... 
Well, that could be. I don't know who Alex would be. Alex in chains. I've listened to the show for a few years now. Yeah, Axel? wrong? Uh, I, I don't, maybe. I've never heard you guys talk about bye week strategy. I never pay attention to bye weeks when I draft, and I always find myself trading at a loss throughout the season to field a team on certain weeks. So what are your thoughts on bye weeks? I only look at them for quarterbacks and tight ends if I take two. Um, but the last thing you really want to do is necessarily build your team around that. If you take a loss in a week because you have a really stacked roster, that sucks, but I think you just live with it. But, you know, if you have a tiebreaker, let's say you're, you know, you're, you're looking at Jefferson and Chase or, uh, Mike Williams and Cortland Sutton, you know, and, and the, the bye week is something that you already have too much of from your other rosters or other players in your roster, I guess Chase and, and Jefferson would apply. But, you know, when you get the middle rounds, you start to look at players that you have on your team and you have a lot of similar bye weeks. You know, maybe try to avoid it if it's, if it's a similar one or, or you have a lot of guys on the same bye week, you try to avoid it if it's a similar one, but I don't necessarily plan my draft around it. I mostly just ignore it um, unless it's like the FFPC or the Scott Fishbowl or one of those leagues where – the regular season ends before the buys do. Uh, this is Van Halen, by the way. Eddie Van Halen, David Lee Roth, and Alex Van Halen, apparently. Huh. Didn't know there was an Alex Van Halen. Here's a haiku from Federalist 45. Unfortunate host deals with Heath's melancholy. More noodle than nut. I don't know what that last one is. Am I, am I melancholy? I don't, I don't know. You've been a little grumpy lately. Last couple of days, you've been a little grump. I don't think I think it's different. Like I, I've because mostly I'm making jokes. <laughs> a grumpiness would not be joking about it. They're really like they really bite. Like they're really harsh. You've been very harsh. <laughs> All right, here's another question. I apologize. From, this one's from Luke. Dear Danny, Rusty, Linus, and Tess. <sighs> Aerosmith. What is the argument? I'm just kidding. What is the argument that could be made for taking Justin Jefferson over Cup? And along that note, is it unreasonable to take a wide receiver with the second overall pick? It's not unreasonable. Has our TikTok come out yet, by the way? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a TikTok, so I will, I'll have to wait for somebody else to tell me. Um, we made, and also, we made a like, TikTok debating the number two player. Oh, really? I just want you to say, when I'm making those biting jokes, melancholy is the exact opposite of the way I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, what do you, so Jefferson over Cup? What do you think? I, mean, I know you don't rank it that way, but one is ascending. One just had a career year at age twenty-eight. Those players usually regress, and Matthew Stafford's still recovering from elbow surgery. It's also one yeah. of the coaches that helped Cooper Cup become Cooper Cup is now coaching the Vikings. Yep, Justin Jefferson, Danny, Rusty, Linus, and Tess were from the Oceans series. Good Oceans show. Eleven. No, not a, not a show. Which is your favorite, Adam? Never saw them. None of them? Are they good? The first one is amazing. Yeah, and I don't I don't know why I never saw. Them. They feel uh, I feel like okay. shows. I feel like they're very my, long. Can I tell you a story about my 12-year-old officially? One more not, email. One more email. Not becoming uh, one of like my favorite kid anymore. Uh, <laughs> one more email. One more email. Okay, here we go. From Oh, I don't have a name. From Lucas in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. There there we go. Dear Michael Thomas, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, Jerry Judy, and D.K. Metcalf. 
in order, those are my three keeper wide receivers plus the wide receiver I drafted and the wide receiver I traded for midseason, leading to my worst record in 25 years of playing. <laughs> Michael Thomas, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, Jerry, Judy, D.K. Metcalf. Um, here's a quiz and a deep keeper slash dynasty question. One, who was Emory Hunt's top college running back on your pre-draft podcast? Two, what round was he drafted? Three, this year what, or last year? This year. Three, what team is he on? And four, what are his chances to be his team's number two running back this year and number one running back next year? So just for everybody else out there, who was Emory Hunt's top college running back on your pre-draft podcast? What round was he drafted? By which team? And what are his chances to be his team's number two running back this year and number one next year? I I forgot, by the way. I was not on the show. It was Jay Sean Corbin out of Florida State. He went undrafted. He is now on the Giants. And what are his chances to be his team's number two running back this year and number one running back next year? You're looking for a place with little competition to be the number two. That's a good place to be. I know. Warm body there. Uh, Probably, considering undrafted, probably slim to none. But that you're right. That is... Of all the running back, I mean, who has a worse handcuff situation than who's third on the depth chart right now? Is it him? Antonio Williams, Matt Breida, Gary Brightwell. Gary Brightwell. I Put those in whatever order you would like. I don't think Matt Breida comes in and starts like carry toting the rock a lot, you know. Um. All right. So, good question, Jay Sean Corbin. I'll just sign Frank Gore, Jordan Howard, or something. Probably pick uh, Zach Moss up when the Bills cut him. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, Heath, what do you got? Uh, your, your... Did he have a dynasty question? That was his dynasty question. It was about Jay Sean Corbin. Oh, it was it was part of the trivia. Yeah. Do you remember who Emery's second favorite running back was last year? Puka Williams. No. Or was he his third? His second was Michael Carter. Oh, cool. There we go. Uh, what do you got, Heath? Do you like Michael Carter over Najee? I know you like Carter a lot. No, I don't think think so maybe I maybe think he, he had etn number one i know he likes guys who catch the ball i think he had carter first maybe uh, heath what do you got what's uh what's your story so like lucas i told you we have this thing and you said that i was a bad parent for letting him watch stranger things um <laughs> and fine he's watched the first three seasons like seven times um we've watched all the originals together um, we've been talking about um, having a, a little Stranger Things watch party today. I know what uh, I know where this, this is going this I, afternoon. I'm sorry. Um, we wake up to a text message. He's at his. He was at his grandmother's last night. Um, we wake up from a text message like one or two in the morning. Um, some one of his friends had texted him about a Fourth of July basketball tournament he wanted to play in. And sorry, I know I'm up late. I'm just waiting for Stranger Things to release so I can watch it. Yeah. That is he so watched bad. Stranger Things while I was sleeping. <laughs> How did Without you feel, me. honestly? What? How did you feel? Um, Melancholy? Betrayed. Melancholy. Betrayed. <laughs> 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 I just uh, texted him and said I'm about to update the uh, power rankings. You weren't mad, though? Um, Mad? Yeah. No, just hurt. Okay. Yeah. Where it reads some uh, haikus. Actually, that was the only one I saw. I wrote one, though. Adam Scott Azer, hardest working podcast host, great delegator. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Some of that's really true. Good. You are one of those things, Drew. <laughs> yeah. I am Adam Scott Azer. That is, that is correct. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a great uh, 4th of July, everybody. We'll talk to you on Tuesday with... What time are we doing the emergency pod? Tough, uh, with the toughest players for what? Something happened? Well, I'm sure something will. Something will happen. Holiday week, four hours. pending. The toughest players to project. Tuesday's show. Talk to you now. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.